Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the MMA Archive. Pleasure to be here once again, back at it with another great event to cover. So, it's only right. We got to get right into this, man. No holding back. So, this is UFC 11, The Proving Ground. The, the poster for this one's really dope. It's uh, Tank Abbott. It looks all grade scaled. It looks pretty cool. Uh, September 20th, 1996, in what is now known as the James Brown Arena in Augusta, Georgia, U.S. of A., of course, 4,500 were in attendance this night, and our TV announcing crew is Bruce Beck, Jeff Blatnick, and Don Wilson. Our ring announcer for tonight, Rich Goins, the G-Man is back, repeating last names as always. And let's get right into it. <clears throat> As you know, with these alternate bouts, they never have the footage for me. So unfortunately, um, just got to sort of run through them. It was Scott Ferrozo versus Sam Fulton. Uh, Scott Ferrozo made his UFC debut at UFC 8, losing to Jerry Bolander by guillotine choke. Uh, this is Sam Fulton making his UFC debut. Scott Ferrozo ended up winning via submission due to strikes at one minute and 45 seconds, moving on to one and one in the UFC. Unfortunately, once again, no footage available. So we'll move right on. Next up, Roberto Traven coming up against Dave Barry. Both men making their UFC debut. Uh, Roberto Traven ended up winning via submission due to strikes at 1 minute 23 seconds, moving on to 1-0 in the UFC. I didn't get to see this one until the end when there was a little bit of extra time, so they actually showed it. Um, it looked like he had him in back mount, um, about to like, try to set up a choke, a rear naked choke, of course. And um, Dave Barry just tapped out, so it makes sense, you know. Um, didn't didn't want to withstand the position didn't want to wait it out to see what would happen just sort of tapped out and you got to respect it man he he was feeling some heat definitely while uh roberto was throwing some punches from that back mountain position and when you're stuck in that spot and you're eating shots i don't blame anybody for tapping out that's a really tough spot to be in so let's get right into the quarterfinals we got Mark Coleman, UFC 10 champ, coming back to defend his title, standing at six foot one, 250 pounds, coming up against Julian Sanchez, who is six foot three, 300 pounds. Coleman is three and zero in the UFC, while Julian Sanchez is making his UFC debut. Uh, Julian came in and left. The, he, he made a bold move. I will admit, Emmanuel Yarbrough came out here. He was 600 plus. He came out here shirtless. My boy Julian, he looking like me in the pool. He got the black shirt on, <laughs> trying to contain it all. I respect it. I feel you, bro. I, I, <laughs> I wanted to make that clear. I feel you, bro. <laughs> but it was just pretty funny seeing him come out and, and not take his shirt off, go straight into the cage with it. Um <laughs> <laughs> Julian ended up coming out in orthodox Coleman also in orthodox which I was surprised by um, obviously he was starting the last event in Southpaw um, Julian landed a nice jab and sort of retreats back um, 
<clears throat> and then you see once again Sanchez he skips into range and Coleman single legs him straight into side control just a beast he almost fell over uh because of his uh landing on his belly um but he was able to maintain that top position inside control immediately postures up and lands some big right hands uh sort of slapping right hands but either way connecting flush that got Sanchez to cover up uh, Coleman decides to attack from a ch attack a choke from side control, and after a slight adjustment where he moved his arm up to create that nice little triangle from scarf hold, he ends up getting the tap at 45 seconds with the scarf hold choke. This is the second one we've seen in the UFC, fastest one we've seen. Um, dominant, just dominant performance by Coleman. It was really cool to see him get that submission too. You know, working all angles of his game because he was known for being this, just the king of ground and pound. Uh, but no, he's got some submissions up his sleeve too. So that, that was dope. Uh, once again, coming on top as the winner. And we can move right on to the second quarterfinal bout. So Reza Nasri, who's standing at 5'11", 205, coming up against Brian Johnston, who is 6'4", 235. Brian Johnson, 1-1 one one in the UFC, with his last fight being a loss to Don Fry at UFC 10. No shame in that. Fry went on to, to fight in the finals. Brian trained by the OG, the OG, Javier Mendez from AKA, also, you know, famous for being Khabib's um, trainer, as well as, you know, Cain Velasquez, Daniel Cormier, the list goes on and on. Um, what a what an OG. He looked real young, real svelte in this one. So I was like, damn, Javier Mendez has been doing the damn thing for a while. Reza's making his UFC debut. Uh, both guys start off in orthodox. You could tell Nasri's a little jittery, a little nervous. Uh, he ends up rushing towards Brian, shoots for a single leg, and Brian pulls his hip back really nicely. We've seen him do this multiple times now and grabs a hold of Nasri's neck and knees him right to the head. Um, one of the most flush knees <laughs> um, in the UFC so far, to be honest. Um, Nasri grabs double underhooks, trying to go as desperately he can to try to get a takedown. Uh, Brian grabs a nice overhook, steps to the side, and spins around, taking Nasri down straight into side control. This is this was a huge display of athleticism. Um, you're not supposed to be able to literally spin and fling someone off their feet like a top, and that's exactly what Brian did. This guy is strong. You could definitely tell, um, and really good situational awareness to know um, that when he did that, because he had double unders, he sort of has to follow him. You know, he's he's connected to him. So when he did that spin, it, it was crazy. I, I couldn't believe it. There was no trip, no um, sort of takedown attempt besides that. He just spun him around and landed right in the side control. Um, so Brian ends up wrapping the head and lands some big right hands. Um, and as he sort of landing those shots he uses his advantage to circle right into full mount and i'm like damn brian's finishing instincts is something to behold because he's quick like he's very fast uh cat like almost in the way that he sort of sees that he has him rock and then goes straight into the next position secures the position and then starts landing shots he landed some brutal headbutts two of them and then just postured up land three hard right hands that you could tell Nasri was almost out. 
And um, Don Wilson mentioned, I thought it was pretty funny. He was like, those shots can't put you out because you're on the ground. Um, just this weekend, Shavkat Rachmanov proved him entirely wrong about that. You could definitely land enough power to put somebody out, even if you're on the ground with them. Um, but once again, just an amazing bounce pack performance for Brian Johnston, getting the TKO at 28 seconds. Big John dove in to stop the fight. And I, I thought this was pretty funny. Um, he damaged Johnston's nose. Like, you see it. Um, he sort of shoves him off, and they land on the ground together. And Johnston was pissed. He was, like, really fired up after that. And I, I, I didn't really understand why. Excuse me. Got the sneezes. Sorry about that. Um but you could tell Johnson was pissed off. I didn't get it at first. I thought he was like just riled up after getting the win, but he was just mad. He was, he was pissed that he got injured. Um, Cause you could see blood trickling out of that nose. Uh, but interesting to note for the next fight. Um, Cause obviously he's moving on to the next round. So uh, got to keep that in mind for the next one. But next up in the quarterfinals, we got David tank Abbott standing at six foot, 298 pounds versus Sam Adkins, six foot three, 260 pounds. Uh, Tank Abbott is three and two in the UFC, returning after a suspension from a brawl that almost broke out at UFC eight in Puerto Rico. Uh, Tank apparently made some threats to a woman who um, was upset because Tank's wife was instigating him to sort of start that brawl. Uh, with someone he had history with in the training room. Turns out the woman who got upset of, about the instigation was Big John's wife. And um, apparently Tank threatened to kill her, which obviously on brand for a guy like Tank. Um, shocking shit, honestly. And Big John was pissed when he found out. You know, he asked the UFC that Tank would never be allowed back. And if he would that he didn't want to ref anymore. And that's a big spot because obviously this is their only referee up to this point. He's the only person that's refereed um, throughout these all these events. Um, so in a bind, the UFC was like, you know what? Let's suspend Tank Abbott. Make him write an apology uh, to Big John and his wife. Thankfully, they accepted. And now we're here. Wild story. This was crazy to research because um, I, I was like, why was he suspended? Like, it was never mentioned on the broadcast or anything like that, why um, Tank Abbott was suspended, but he's back and ready to go against Sam Atkins, who is two and one with his last UFC fight coming just a UFC 10 um, known for being sort of an alternate fighter uh, respect um, his only loss coming, I think to Don Fry, but both guys come out in this one in orthodox Atkins opens up with a slick one, two, but it just misses, just misses. And funny enough, I, I wrote it this way because it's important to mention, Tank didn't even shoot for a takedown. He just rushed him. And when he did, um, Atkins fell over and um, Tank Abbott just lands right inside control, right up against the fence. And I wrote, you know, this is dangerous in all caps because we've seen Tank do some brutal shit up against this fence. So I'm watching this with bated breath. Like, well, what's about to happen? Um Take ends up doing his patented thing, you know, grabbing the fence and hammering away with big left hands. You can see they're definitely hurting Atkins. It gets a big reaction out of him. He's covering up. And then Tank decides to put his forearm 
his left forearm right across Atkins' neck. Um, starts landing some big shots to the body. And then he looks down, and you see, you see him look down at Atkins and realize, you know, I, I could choke him like this. Like, at first, he was just trying to hold him and post him there so he could land some big shots. He looks down, and he's like, you know what? I got him. Let me just keep it going. He really starts to put his weight on Atkins' neck and uses the fence to torque it even more. He's pulling on the fence with both hands, pulling himself into Sam Atkins' neck. And Sam Atkins is forced to tap at two minutes and six seconds to that forearm choke. Um, this was really cool. Uh, there was a modern day example of this. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, Alexander Romanov, UFC heavyweight. He got a very similar submission where he, he was out in space. Obviously, you don't use the fence nowadays, um, but he, he got a very similar forearm choke right across the chin put all that weight on it so it was pretty cool to see someone get it back in the day this is the second time um tank abbott's really used that fence to his advantage which is pretty cool man once again if it's legal uh find your way around it to use whatever's in the rules to help you um it makes sense to do it <laughs> and respect for tank abbott for figuring out that he can do that um little funny side note i noticed after the fight i didn't even notice before the fight um but guess who's in uh, Tank Abbott's corner. You never would guess it. Tito Ortiz. <laughs> Tito Ortiz, uh, known recently for being on uh, <laughs> the Huntington Beach uh, Congress, which is ridiculous. I, I don't understand how he was voted in. Um, but Tito Ortiz right there, front and center with Tank Abbott. So some something to come. Um, we'll definitely see Tito Ortiz in the UFC sooner than later. But next up, our final quarterfinal bout fabio gargel standing at six foot 200 pounds versus jerry bolander standing at 511 200 pounds as well fabio's making his ufc debut while jerry is one and one in the ufc with his last fight coming at ufc eight and a loss to gary goodridge um no shame in that at all obviously gary goodridge is a monster and has proven that multiple times in the ufc so this one gets started right away. Both men come out in orthodox. Fabio fainting that Gracie stomp, um, trying to get a reaction out of Jerry so he could duck under to the legs. Um, finally, he rushes Jerry straight up to the fence, uh, grabs a body lock. Jerry Bolander, I got to give it to him. He used the fence very, very well to sort of keep himself upright. He's standing on one leg, balancing on the fence and holding on, just trying to see the right opportunity uh, to counter. And he ends up locking up that wizard, which is when you get a deep overhook um, and sort of leverage it whenever they're trying to take you down on that side angle. You try to hold on and use all your weight to that wizard so that you could keep yourself like parallel to your opponent. So even if they do get you down, you're both on your knees. So you could sort of scramble back up. It's not a takedown. Um, that's important to mention because that's exactly what happens. Um, they end up in that uh, little scramble and Jerry Bolander is able to take top position on Fabio, even though Fabio was the one attacking the takedown, which was, I just thought was beautiful. You know, great situational awareness there um, in a spot that not a lot of guys were comfortable in back in the day um, from those sort of side body lock takedowns. Um, Fabio does a great job of maintaining his full guard, holding Jerry in place 
Um, finally, Jerry is able to separate, land some big right hands on the break. And then he ends up kicking him twice to the legs as Fabio's still on the ground. We see this often now, um, but he gets a warning because he actually, Jerry Bolander, that is, has shoes on. So once again, I mentioned this all the time. If you're wearing shoes at this point in the UFC, you're not supposed to be throwing kicks at all. Um, so it was funny. They like gave him a warning and let the ref, I mean, let the judges know, like if he does it again, we got to take a point, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. I wonder how that would have went back then because the commentary mentioned, you know, they, they would find him not like a point because I don't think they were using the 10 point must system at this time. Uh, whenever they rendered the decisions is just the name of the person. Um, so interesting. I, I, I kind of want to see how that would happen or play out where someone's docked a point in, a, in one of these old school fights to see what happens. Might just be a fine. Who knows? But I thought that was of note. Um, when they get back to the feet, Jerry opens up with a nice body kick and Fabio counters beautifully. This is the best shot of the night so far on the feet. If you ask me, he lands a beautiful straight right that you could tell stuns Jerry Bolander. He landed it right to the forehead and opened up a cut um, that, that ends up playing a part of the fight a little bit later on. Really, really good counter, which is so funny because you still see this counter so often today as people are trying to punish uh, their opponents with those calf kicks. Uh, guys are, you know, you gotta be keen to it. Um, that's one of the best ways to to counter that kick or defend it even is, you know, you throw right back and sort of get them to think, you know, I'm not going to throw that next time because uh, he's probably going to counter me if I try to. Uh, but they end up in a clinch and Jerry's working the body with some nice knees, some nice uppercuts to the ribs. Um, Fabio tries to to back him up to the to the fence and then is able to get a nice takedown as Jerry uh, sort of throws himself back to attack that same guillotine that he ended up submitting Scott Ferrozo with at UFC 8. Um, he, he grabs a hold of the neck, um, but he doesn't have enough leverage. You can see Fabio does a good job of freeing his head and then eventually freeing his legs and then going from um, full guard straight into full mount. Um, but this this was pretty cool. This is a nice little scramble because as soon as he sits in full mount, Jerry bucks up with everything he has and ends up reversing the position, getting top position again in Fabio's guard, which I was like, man, this guy's agile, you know, like he, that that's a nice moment. They always teach you that in jits, you know, whenever someone's trying to advance position, you could feel the point in which they're not really stable. And that's when you explode. You can't let them stabilize themselves because as soon as they do, then you're stuck in that position. Uh, so great job by Bolander to sort of seize that opportunity and end up on the top position. Jerry starts landing. Um, well, he stays heavy in the full guard. This is important to note um, because he's not given any space to allow uh, Fabio to attack submissions. He's known for being a jujitsu guy. And um, he starts landing some big right hands to the ribs, just working the body, landing whatever shots are open for him. Fabio is able to get some feet on Jerry's hips after being controlled for like five minutes and then eventually kicks off 
Uh, Jerry tries to drive in into the guard again. Fabio briefly had him in a, a triangle choke, uh, but Jerry was able to shuck it off and end up right in Fabio's guard once again. He almost maintained back position too, but Fabio did a good job of turning and facing. Um, so there was a lot of scrambles in this in this fight, which I really enjoyed. You know, both guys technical on the ground. Fabio keeps trying to elevate Jerry Bolander. Uh, Jerry does a good job to stay heavy, land some shots, and prevent him from, you know, reversing position. And eventually, the bell sounds, and it goes to the judges. All three scored it unanimously for Jerry Bolander, even though, in my opinion, Fabio landed the bigger shot on the feet. Obviously, the accumulation of ground strikes is what won it for Jerry Bolander. And obviously it comes at 15 minutes because these were one, one straight round, 15 minutes straight. So really a, a freaking um, a marathon of a fight uh, that all these guys are subject to. I hope you guys could hear that. We got a, we got a car outside just blasting reggaeton right now. But anyway, on to the next one, into the semifinals. We got Mark Coleman, six foot one, two fifty. Going up against Brian Johnston, six foot four, two thirty-five. Both the most athletic guys in this competition, if you ask me, just based on looks and the things they do in the cage, you could tell these guys are jacked. Like both of them. So I was really excited that they got matched up. They gave us really good um, semifinal matches here. So both men come out in orthodox. Brian has a very, very low stance. You see, he's conscious. He's got to defend those takedowns. He already knows, um, and that's key. He does a good job of doing exactly what Mark Coleman was doing in the last UFCs, you know, circling away and trying to pull Coleman into him. And every time Coleman got close enough that you could try to land some offense, Brian Johnson's landing a nice straight right and then circling right back off, you know, keeping him at distance, forcing him to pull into him so he can land strikes. Um, eventually, Brian, with that same philosophy, you know, pulls him in, lands a hard low kick to the leg. You can see, you know, it's forcing him, um, Mark Coleman, that is, to pressure, to try to take those strikes away. And Johnston's just circling away, staying persistent and landing, you know, whatever strike he sees is available to him that won't get him in too much trouble. So he landed another big leg kick. And at this point, you could see a welt on Mark Coleman's leg. Like th these are hurting and he needs to address them. At one point, he sort of takes that um, patented step back where you see where a guy is really hurt from leg kicks that they sort of switch stances real quick. He ends up doing that. And uh, the commentators noted too, like, you know, Mark Coleman's hurting from those leg kicks. And I don't know if you heard him or not or whatever, uh, but Johnston feels it too. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to keep throwing it. And he, he gets a little overzealous, throws a big leg kick, and Coleman grabs that leg and shoots in for a nice, well-timed takedown and gets it. Uh, Brian does a good job of scrambling, trying to roll through the takedown to sort of um, get Mark Coleman off of him. But Coleman is able to do a good job staying on top and ending up in half guard. Um, there's a little struggle, obviously, here on the ground. Brian's doing a good job of keeping his head directly underneath um, Coleman's chin, which is important when someone's trying to land strikes. 
in that top position because they don't have a target. Even if they're posturing up, if you're keeping their head in their chest, they can only hit you to the sides of the head. Obviously that hurts. Don't get me wrong. Um, but especially in today's UFC, that technically is illegal. So you, you got to be careful when you're hitting a guy in the back of the head. Uh, so it's a smart strategy to sort of put yourself, play possum, put yourself in a position where they can't really hit you. Um, and Coleman ends up flattening him out, sort of pushing his forearm on his head and lands some big strikes behind the ear while he can, you know, just peppering him wherever he can. Finally, he pressures him and puts him up against the fence is able to start landing some big swiping left hands. You can hear the thudding, cracking Brian. And eventually Brian sort of turns over away from Mark Coleman. And as soon as he does that, Big John jumps in and stops the fight at two minutes and 20 seconds. Mark Coleman gets another TKO victory due to ground and pound, this time from half guard. Uh, just a great performance, man. He faced adversity early on. He couldn't get anything going. Brian Johnson is doing a good job of, you know, keeping him at bay, landing strikes, and Coleman persevered, man. As soon as he got to his position, he took advantage and got him out of there. So much respect. I would say this was, um, even though obviously he had a hard, tough fight with Don Fry, I feel like this was the moment where we see, you know, this guy could face some adversity earlier and he's not going to fold. Like he's going to stay persistent and keep attacking his advantage. So great performance by Mark Cole. If, I mean, Mark Coleman, if you ask me. So next up, our second and final semifinal bout between Dink, David Tank Abbott and Scott Ferrozo. Once again, Tank Abbott is six foot 289. Scott Ferrozo, 5'10, 350 pounds. I know you're probably wondering, where's Jerry Bolander? Didn't he win? Yes. Unfortunately, he had to pull out due to an injury, which made the room for Scott Ferrozo, the alternate, to come into the tournament. Uh, these are two big, thick boys. I'm telling you right now. It's almost, yeah, definitely 600 pounds between the two of them um this shit was crazy i'm not gonna lie this fight if you ask me and i'm gonna say this before we even get into it i think this was the hope this isn't controversial but i think this was the best fight ever in the ufc uh, up to this point which is pretty funny because you're looking across at these guys and they don't look like the best athletes um but even, even fights like Don Fry, Mark Coleman, or, you know, Severn, Ken Shamrock, these fights didn't have the same kind of um, constant action, constant, you know, toe-to-toe um, -to -toe striking that this one did. So crazy, crazy fight, man. Both of these guys walk right up to the center. Scott leads with a jab that misses and Tank cracks him with a big straight right hand. Uh, they both end up standing toe to toe and just start swinging. Um, eventually they end up in a clinch sort of against the fence and they separate and just flurry again. This, this was crazy. I can't even tell you, you know, what landed or what, because both these guys are landing shots, you know, big shots. Um, and they're just taking them and coming forward, uh, which makes for a fun fight always. Um, Tank shoots for a takedown and Scott counters it beautifully by sort of, shucking him off the same way Brian Johnson does, almost looking for that um, hip throw, 
Um, but Tank ends up getting it back, getting to um, Scott Ferrozo's back, but standing up, uh, pushes him up against the fence. Um, they show Scott's face, and you see he has a big cut over his right eye from one of those flurries. Um, and as he's being held up against the fence, you know, Scott starts landing some good punches and some big knees. Um, obviously, he's being pushed up against the fence and he's stuck there, uh, but he does a great job of working from that position. He ends up landing, you know, three big knees, two right up the center to Tank's gut. And then the third, as Tank sort of starts dropping down, lands right to Tank Abbott's chin. Like when I saw it, I had to rewind it to make sure that I was seeing it correctly because that landed so flush. Like I feel like most people get hit with that shot and get knocked out. Like I'm very surprised that Tank was able to eat that uh, because once again, this is a huge dude. Of course, he's up against the fence, so he can't make too much um, torque with it. Uh, but just crazy to see it land that flush and basically not do anything. Uh, crazy, wild, wild shot there. Um, Tank ends up separating off of that and lands a, a nice uppercut. Uh, but Scott counters him with a big hook that you could tell buzzes Tank Abbott. Um, crazy. And then Scott continues to land those big knees to the body. And you could see Tank literally grabbing his belly. Um, and then at this point, Tank is up against the fence now. Uh, so he's in prime position for Scott to keep landing these, these strikes. But because of the cut that Scott has, Big John separates them. And I'm like, no, <laughs> because from that position, Scott was working and he could have did a lot more damage. You could tell at this point, you know, Tank is already fatigued, uh, which is funny because both of these guys are huge, as I mentioned before. So um, I was surprised to see Scott had a lot more wind. Uh, than Tank Abbott did, even though he was the bigger um, fighter. So as always, instead of giving them back the position, they start it from the corners again. And I'm just, I'm, I'm annoyed. I'm like, damn, you know, he lost his good position. And now Tank's probably going to try to wear him out against the fence again. But as soon as they start, uh, they just walk right towards each other, right in the middle of the, of the cage. And Tank just surges forward with big combination. Uh, Scott meets him with some nice punches. Uh, finally, a leg kick that you could tell really like got Tank to think a little bit. Because Tank was just rushing forward, throwing combinations. They weren't landing because Scott was uh, retreating. But... Um, a lot of mustard on him, you know, he, he definitely was pushing the, the pressure and trying to land a big shot to sort of answer back for what just happened before the separation. Finally, Tank does what he did earlier, sort of pushes him up against the fence. Scott keeps landing knees to the groin that literally lift Tank off the ground. Like you could see trying to avoid as much impact as possible. He's like jumping up with them, um, but he doesn't back off. He's holding him up against the fence and sort of trying to grind him out. Uh, but Scott's not having any of it, man. He's staying busy however he can, landing punches to the back of the Tank's head, knees to the body, um, knees to the groin. Once again, just trying to land wherever he can. Finally, Big John separates them for lack of action. And once again, Tank is coming forward. Uh, he lands a huge left hook that I thought, once again, it, most people that get hit with that are going down. And Scott stands his ground, lands a massive uppercut 
that rocks Tank Abbott again. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, this fight is crazy. Like, both these guys landed big shots that I feel like other people would not be able to stand up to at all. But eventually, Scott just capitalizing on that momentum, lands another big uppercut. But as he's sort of surging forward, Tank does a good job of as soon as his back hits the fence, popping off of it and using that momentum to reverse and put Scott up against the fence once again. So they end up trading shots to the body, like (laughs) Takiyama, just there banging each other out to the body until the regulation period ends and we are heading to a three-minute overtime period. For some reason... Big John, oh, it makes sense to me now because he screamed one minute. You got one minute. And I thought that meant that the overtime was one minute. But what he meant was you got one minute of rest and then the three-minute overtime period. So that makes sense. You got to piece things together, you know? So as soon as the fight uh, commences again in overtime, Scott lands a nice jab. You could tell he's trying to stay on the outside, stay disciplined, not sort of rush forward because he feels at this point, you know, he's on the he's in the driver's seat. He's winning so far. Take hey, tank lands at the same exact time of that jab. A beautiful left hook that you could see uh, Scott's head goes all the way across like it was it landed flush. And he follows up with two overhand rights, all of them landing flush, and Scott just eats him. Uh, And he's looking for his counters, looking for that uppercut, but he misses just by a hair. Um, And I'm like, what are these dudes made of? Like, these dudes are just taking everything that comes their way. Um, Scott ends up landing a real thudding leg kick that uh, Tank ends up countering with the straight right, sort of calling to that Jerry Bolander fight from earlier. Finally, Scott lands two nice jabs in combination that forces Tank to sort of rush him to the fence again. And as soon as he does, Scott lands a slick uppercut that you could literally lift his head again. And I'm like, dude, how? How has he not been at least knocked down by these strikes? Like, it's this fight has been so fun, dude. So fun. Um, as he's being held up against the fence again, he landed a beautiful sort of, he's looking at him and lands a beautiful up elbow as he's sort of just being held there against the fence. Um, Scott keeps punishing him, you know, knees to the groin, punches to the back of the head, wherever he could find that opening as Tank is just holding on for dear life, trying to, trying to you know, waste as much clock as possible. I don't know if he thought that he was winning doing that. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, more so like a survival tactic, in my opinion. Finally, Big John separates them with about 20 seconds left. They return to the center again. And these dudes did the um, the good old Max Holloway, uh, Ricardo Lamas. Like, they're just like, we're not going anywhere. No more movement. We're just throwing bombs. So they stood there toe-to-toe, just threw bombs at each other. Um, Scotland's a beautiful left hook, almost drops tank. Like, you see, he stumbles and like needs to regain his footing he just comes forward after that just pissed him off and just exchanged big shots with scott over and over again until the bell rang Uh, this was a great fight man a great way to end the fight as well Uh, obviously there were some moments that were a little slow 
um, with Tank sort of holding on. But even those, there was still a lot of palpable danger because Scott wasn't stopping. You know, he was trying to land as much shots as possible. And his cardio for someone that large, like this man, he's holding it down for us thick boys. You know what I'm saying? He's giving us a good name. Showing that you know it ain't it ain't all show no go. My my guy has some go in him, um, but this has led for what should be you know a, a great final. But unfortunately, as always with this tournament model, something comes up, and Scott's not able to continue because he was injured. Obviously, that cut over his right eye, as well as just general fatigue from going to war with this guy for eighteen minutes straight. They turn to the other um, alternate, Roberto Traven, and find out that he broke his hand. So for the first time in UFC history, Mark Coleman ends up winning the UFC tournament by default. I don't know why. Maybe they should have turned to Tank. Maybe they should have turned to another fighter that lost earlier in the evening um, who made it further along just to see who was available. But after checking on both the alternates, they just decided, you know what? That's it. We don't got anybody else to fight. Uh, Mark Coleman, this one's yours. And we'll see you again at the Ultimate Ultimate 2. Um, so we got another big tournament coming up, man, where they get all the best guys from the last couple of tournaments and put them all together and see who's, who's, who's going to rise to the top. So I'm really excited about that one. They already talked about in the interview how Mark Coleman and Don Fry are going to be in it again. So there's a chance to see that rematch of a fight, which obviously was awesome. Um, this event was really fun. It was fast and furious. Um, obviously, there was a couple decisions, but even those fights were fun. Uh, th this one was really good, and it really hurt that we couldn't get a, a proper final bout. Uh, but can't complain too much with the way everything else played out. So now it's time to name our awards for the nights. Uh, you got to give fight of the night. You got to give fight of the night to Tank Abbott versus Scott Ferrozo. Let me write this out real quick. David Tank Abbott versus Scott Ferrozo. Just a great fight, man. Back and forth, insane action. Both of these guys landing shots that nobody else would have been able to take, like nobody else. Uh, much respect. Got to give it to him. My performance of the night goes to Mark Coleman against... You ready? Brian Johnston. This was a great fight. I thought Johnston came in with the right game plan trying to keep him at bay, trying to do whatever he can to sort of um, keep him at distance and make him fight against his strengths. Um, but Mark Coleman's too tenacious, too strong, and was able to finally find his way inside and get the TKO. So great performance. Got to give it to Mark Coleman there. Our KO of the night. Which one should I go with here? It's a lot of good ones. Um, I think I'm going to go with Brian Johnston against. Um, let me make sure I get the name right. Reza Nasri versus Reza Nasri. 
honest with you. Just a great series of strikes to end it off. Really, really fun fight. And um, once again, just showed, you know, Brian Johnson deserved that spot against Mark Coleman. And he showed up and did well against two. So you can't, can't hate on the guy at all. Finally, our submission of the night. It's only right. Mark Coleman's in it again, baby. Mark Coleman versus, let me get the name right once again, Julian Sanchez. Uh, just a beautiful scarfold choke. I mentioned it earlier, you know, second one we've seen so far here in the UFC. And what worthwhile, like this event was super fun. I loved watching it and really made me excited for the next one because like I said, there's a lot of guys that are infamous that we know bring it and come to fight every time they do. And they're all going to be going up against each other in that next tournament. So looking forward to it as always, you know, thank you guys so much for watching, sticking with me this entire time. Please check out UFC 11. It was super fun once again, but you could catch me at Negron MMA on Twitter as well as Chris Negron underscore on Instagram for all of your MMA slash sports generally needs. Uh, also make sure that you follow OTS media as well as OTS media co on YouTube. Uh, we've got so much content, so many different sports, so many different, you know, lifestyle news updates, like everything you need we've got at OTS. And now you hear my cat. That means it's time to go so much going on right now in this house so sorry about that you guys uh but thank you once again for sticking with me i hope you guys have a good one peace